welcome to Just Effing Go Podcast. We are on episode 15, I think. 15. Before we get started, make sure y'all like, share, subscribe on all major platforms. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. And follow us on Instagram at Just Effing Go Podcast. Charlie, how you doing? Si, senor. I am doing well, my man. Chilling, drinking some coffee that... Pissed me off early in the morning, but other than that, I am doing fantastic. Why did your coffee piss you off this morning? Tell us the story. I was trying to, I was trying to be about the people, right? So I was, uh, I went to Target to get some new headphones, and then on my way back, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna stop by get some coffee at Starbucks, and then I was like, no, go to Blue Bottle instead. So I was like, I'm gonna go to Blue Bottle and check it out. I've been there once a long time ago, so I go to Blue Bottle, and as I'm pulling up, I see there's like a line of people that are waiting, not waiting to order but just waiting for the drink and then i was like "Ooh, i could just order this online on my phone for starbucks and just pick it up real quick you know but i was like no be about your shit and get this so i'm like all right i'm gonna go try their coffee so i get out i go into the fucking little uh glass or plexiglass shit i ask for just a cup of coffee just you know black and they're like okay then i wait and other people, uh, you know, come in behind me. They order, like, a super complicated drink, right? Like, you know, do you have any dairy substitute, goat milk, almond, all that shit? And I'm like, all right, that's cool, whatever, no big deal. But I'm realizing that this shit is still just as bougie, if not more bougie than fucking Starbucks is. It's like, it's it's just fucking bougie. And, uh, and the people that were waiting before me start getting their drinks. And then the two people that came after me with complicated orders start getting their drinks. And I'm like, bro, my shit was just a poor black cup of coffee. That cost $4, by the way. I had Graham Stephan in my ear like, you're an idiot. You're an idiot. You're an idiot. And then, you get me, dog. $3 <laughs> iced coffee, you're an idiot. Come on. What then, are you doing with your life? And then I got my cup of coffee, and it was filled to here with coffee for $4. So it pissed me off even more. And, um, I mean, it's cool. I don't know why it tastes like soup to me. Like, uh, mm. so I just felt like a... Sucker. You know what I mean? I felt like a sucker for trying to support that local business. And then I found and out. Then, and then you find out they're Nestle owned. Nestle owned. And I'm like, man, you got played, fool. Go to Starbucks. Like, <laughs> just go to Starbucks, bro. <laughs> Are there, but you have you have local coffee, uh, like coffee shops in the area, do, do you not? And at this point, I mean, I will say, well, I, I mean, we'll I talk about the owned. moves in a second. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was owned locally. I mean, and it, it started in Oakland, but I just figured that it was still. You know, small mom and yeah, pop. Yeah, I think type. I think Nestle bought them like three years ago, three, four years ago, maybe. Yeah, like in 2017. Um, if I had but, time I to mean, go to Red Bay, I would have gone to Red Bay, but I was like running late for this, and I was like, "Fuck it's it." A little more of a drive to, yeah. to Red Bay now. Now, from for you, right? Slightly, like I, I'd go through the freeway for it this time around, and uh, before I would just go through the island and just, you know. But they so, also yeah. have the downtown Broadway location, the, the the box location. I don't know if that's actually open right now. Oh, I didn't know about that. Yeah, they have a second location that's not the actual roastery uh, mm. that's on Broadway that might be closer to you, but I don't know if they're open. Mm. Um, I think they are. They might be, but it's something to look into. Is it still uh, called Red Bay? Yeah, it's still oh, okay. called Red Bay, but sure. I'm not sure if it's open. Um so we took took a, li- a little uh, of a break in October. We're recording this. This will be released uh, at the end of October. But for the first few weeks of October, we took a little bit of a 
a break, part of it intentionally, part of it unintentionally, uh, for the people. You know, Charlie and I both, I don't know, you can kind of tell in both of our backgrounds that we are in new locations. We've both moved. We've both moved homes with our families over the last few weeks. Uh, our other partner as well, our uh, behind-the-scenes engineer, all audio, video, everything. Miguel was also out of town for a little bit, getting into nature, getting uh, into to into the world that we all sometimes are uh, not as cognizant of um, when we live in these major metro areas. So he took a little time to find some peace out in nature. Um, Charlie and I both made moves to... Uh, we, were, we, were, we went to lunch yesterday, and we both feel a little bit more bougie in our, uh, our new homes, uh, which is a weird feeling for both of us in our humble beginnings. Uh, we don't have to go too many details, obviously, of where we moved to. Um, we didn't leave California like a lot of the big major podcasters out there, Joe Rogan, Graham Stephan has now left California. Uh, names like, even though people may hate him, Ben Shapiro leaving California. Uh, Joey Diaz. A lot of these, uh, the big names leaving California. Um, we're still in California. But you want to talk a little bit about your move, Charlie? Yeah, uh, we. so we needed a, a, a bigger space now that my daughter is uh, crawling around and moving. And... Uh, you know, I'm I'm trying to be super conscious of or conscientious of like finances and especially because in the barber industry, one, we were just out for six months, right? But it's like feast or famine in that industry, right? You're either doing really well or you're like tomato soup for the children again this week, you know? And um so for about three years, my wife and my daughter, who's fifteen now, and I and two cats lived in a one-bedroom apartment. It was a pretty big one-bedroom apartment. Like, the living room was pretty decently sized. And uh, if you guys remember my my studio, that was actually my a closet of mine that just happened to be very, very big. And um, so it got it got kind of small, you know what I mean, for, for, for all of the family of four. And a part of me was struggling with, like, nah, man, but it's so expensive out here in the Bay. I don't want to move to a bigger spot. What if, you know financially shit goes worse so when the opportunity to come to where i'm at now uh came to be and the prices dropped because of like you said so many people leaving california we swooped on it but at the same time it was it's super scary man it's scary because i never once thought that i'd be living here uh and two i'm like you know the barber shops barber industries are still struggling a lot of the industries are still struggling to get people in there so i'm like damn was this a smart move and you know there's times where i'm like struggling with like who the fuck do you think you are you know what i'm saying like there's a bit of that happening inside of me um and it just makes me be like all right grind harder do more but i was trying to get away from that during the pandemic i was trying to get away from that constant grind (laughs) and you got to be on this shit at all times and enjoy family but um, at the end of it, you know, when I spoke with my father-in-law and I spoke with other people, it's like, no, this is a good move. Like, one, you need to get a bigger spot. It, you know, it's like quality of life. You know what I mean? You need to get a bigger place. And you're not, it's not like I'm paying a ridiculous price, especially for the Bay Area. You know, it's still, it's still on sale <laughs> for, 
for what it was pre-COVID. So, yeah, but those are the struggles. What about you, bro? You can only pinch those pennies for so long. Sometimes we got to learn that, like, uh, you know, and obviously, like, I feel the same way as kind of a person that's like, you know, part of the way that you create um, long-standing wealth or generational wealth or, like, a better financial uh, foundation for yourself, my apologies on that, uh, is, you know, not... Um, continuing to raise your lifestyle when you're you know when your income rises right yeah it's how a lot of people never able to save or never able to build a financial foundation because as their income continues to rise so does the the lifestyle expenses that they have Mm -hmm. so i think there's always a fear of that when like I'm, i'm the same way i've kind of been like you know, especially for me too. I was talking about this on uh, I was on an interview earlier this week, and um, talking about you know growing up like when I was a kid, we lived with a bunch of family members all the time. Like uh, uh, when I was born in Southern California, as we moved around Southern California, Northern California, and then uh, in Chicago as well. Before my family came back and settled in Hayward, like. I was living sometimes with like twenty people in a three bedroom house and just in a in a bed with four cousins, five cousins, and just you know that's kind of you. I feel like I'm a person that's comfortable in that. I don't necessarily need a ton of space to myself, but then I also realize like as the girls have, are getting older, like you know we need a little bit more space for them to make something of their own. They have uh, quite a bit more space right now. Um, not necessarily outdoors space, but you know, within their own room to just have, make it theirs and 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 have uh, not be literally on top of each other. They were in a bunk bed that I hated before, but because uh, it was too bulky. But yeah, now mm-hmm. it's we're we're in a a space that is kind of in a little downtown area, and we have the ability to walk around. It feels like it's the first time in my life I kind of live in a little city where I can go and walk around. My wife and daughters just uh, went this morning, walked over to the farmer's market that's only a block away that's downtown. Mm-hmm. And uh, it feels good. It definitely feels good. But, you know, the process of moving is always it's always hectic. It's always you forget when you don't do it for a while. Like, A, you forget how much shit you have. Um, even when you don't think you have a lot, like I feel like a very minimalist person. Like I don't feel like I have a lot, but even the little that I, I do have, it's like, God damn, there's a lot of shit. <laughs> yeah. And you forget how much you have. Um, I know we were kind of talking about that, Charlie, about, especially about like childhood mementos and, and stuff like that, but you forget mm-hmm. how much you have. And then the process of moving, like the whole time we we're getting close to moving, Sarah's like, oh, are you excited? Are you excited? People ask me, are you excited to move? I'm like, no, because in my head, I'm like, I don't want to actually go through the act of moving. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm excited to be in a new place, but the act of moving, that shit, to me, is not fun. How was your move? Not fun. <laughs> <laughs> like, and since we were, um, we didn't too, move too far from where we were, like five minutes away from our location when we were in, uh, alameda to where we're at now and um so because of that we're like oh well we could we could kind of prolong this like we could do it in segments um not a big fan of that i'm I'm a fan because you don't feel rushed but it just feels overly like dragging i remember like a weekend or two weeks in 
moving out, one of our neighbors, and we were really close with all of our all of our neighbors in our old apartment. They came out like, damn, y'all still moving? How much shit do you got? And I'm like, dude, I promise we're not hoarders, bro. But like a lot of little little things, a lot of mementos that we were talking about. Um, and I think that, I mean, one, I was realizing like, one, you really don't need a lot of this stuff. And I was, I got more comfortable getting rid of, for sure, clothes and uh, things like that. And decor, we used to have a lot of vintage, uh, functioning vintage things, right? Whether it was a typewriter or when I do all my sewing craft, it was on a vintage uh, sewing machine. Really good quality shit, though. Um, like projectors from the 19-whatevers. So I was cool with getting rid of that because I'm like, you know what? That's not that's not the vibe that I'm feeling anymore, and I don't want to keep on trying to hold on to that nostalgia. Like, like some Such a classic man. Such a classic <laughs> man. But now I'm like getting rid of things, and the, the only things left to kind of get rid of are like childhood memories documents things like that and i'm like do i do i want to get rid of these things because it, like i don't have a, a home that i could go back to like a childhood home i don't have that anymore and the little things that i have that's what's tying me back to the past in a way and so a part of me is like don't lose that because well how is someone going to tell your story or how are you going to tell your story about the you know about your, your life or whatnot but at the same time i'm trying to come with to grips with um, being able to to have those things, remember those things, take them, embrace them for one more time, and be like, "All right, that was you. That's who you were, and that's who you are." But you're more than that now. Like you've advanced to a different level, uh, and not like you're better than you were back then. But like you got to let some of that weight go to keep moving forward. You know, um, make room for new memories, make room for for new things, and you don't need to keep on bringing that baggage with you everywhere you go. So that's that's kind of where I'm at now. At the same time, I'm like, yo, if it's super, super important to you, like take a picture of it. You know, I feel like I got clothing. I have jackets that a, a grandpa gave me and uh, my grandpa gave me. And it's like from like Oxford University. And I'm like, I got to keep it. And it still fits me because I, I haven't grown since I was 11. So I'm like, I'm like, I can still wear this shit one day. But I'm like, no, nah, bro, take a picture, send him a text, thank him for it and then keep him moving. Yeah, that stuff with like a uh, sentimental value gets tough at times. Like there's like I don't I don't get attached to much it's like material things, um, but there's like a few like shirts that I have that I'm just like I'm probably never gonna wear them again, but I have to keep them because of like what they mean to me uh, mm. in some ways. Um, you know, there's like a, a T-shirt that I have with Magic Johnson on it that I like never wear. I haven't worn it in a few years, but like. Uh, a pretty influential person in my life the last time I saw him uh, before he passed away a few years ago. Uh, we took a picture together. I was wearing that shirt. or No, it wasn't like we took a picture together. I took a picture. I was wearing that shirt one of the last times I saw him. And like he had commented on it because he was like a big Magic Johnson fan. Both of us shared that in common. And like to me, I'm always like, I remember that because like, how much the game of basketball means to me. He was one of my high school coaches, uh, one of my high school assistant coaches that really had a huge impact on my life. Um, and I'm just like, I'm probably never going to wear that shirt again. But when I look at it, it's like, and how much room does it take up? It doesn't take up much. I'm a person that very much, like, I don't keep a lot of clothes. I don't have a lot of shirts and pants. Actually, if I have any, any clothing, any excess of, like, clothing items or accessories, it's shoes. Um, I have a lot of shoes, 
I don't have a lot of nice shoes. I'm not like a shoe head, sneaker head, but I have a good amount of shoes. Like I feel like you know, as as a grown being, as a grown person, you need to have shoes for every situation that you're in, and you know, that's in my life is going to be. You know, sometimes you're going to be in different worlds and different situations, and you have to have the shoes to match it. You know, I don't know. Do you feel that way, Charlie? Oh yes, I used to work for. Uh, I've I've <laughs> sold shoes at two different stores. I started off at Sears, moved on up to Nordstrom. So my wife says she doesn't remember, but I rem- I remember I bought these shoes before the first time we hung out, and there were these cool like driver shoes. They were Taboot New York. Um, they they had there were slip ons right. Kind of had a cool little lace. I thought they were sick as fuck. They were super fly. And she swears she doesn't remember them. But, and she might not. But that doesn't matter because one thing I learned was that a woman is going to judge you um, on your shoes. You could have the dopest outfit on. But if you're, if like, she's checking you out from head to toe. And if you got some fucked up ass shoes at the bottom of your sick ass fit, throw that whole fit away, bro. It don't matter. It does not matter. You could have a lame ass fit. You know what I mean? Just like this crew neck or whatever from fucking Target. And then you got some some nice, clean shoes, whether they're like suede or leather or faux leather, if you're into that vegan shit and animal rights. <laughs> uh, or fucking plastic, but like they're tight, they're dope, they're fresh. You made it. You made it. So, yeah, shoes are important. Yeah, I feel the same way. It's just like I got to I got to have shoes for each occasion that I feel like I'm going to be in a couple of different like color schemes just to make sure that like cuz I'm a very simple guy when it comes to dressing, you know. I don't I don't spend a ton of money on clothes, but I just make sure like all right, I look decent, it's fine, and then just have a a, a good shoe to end it off. I do want to start getting into some accessories maybe when I like feel confident about like where I am financially, which is probably going to be in like 17 years. You got to get like an ascot? Like what kind of accessories are you trying to get? No, I'm just talking about like, I'm I'm trying to get more into watches. Oh, yeah. More into watches right now. Investment. Investment watches. Trying to figure out like, all right, I need a couple couple watches just for a few different occasions. Maybe one that's a little more formal and like one that's a little bit more casual. But just a couple of nice ones that I'm like, all right. You know what's funny? Like I, I feel like Apple watches don't ever fit that category. Like that's the new Casio watch, and and the old vintage Casio watches are sick, but like <clears throat> can't. But look, the the Apple wa- Apple watches have utility, which is important to me. That's important. Mm-hmm. Like I might buy an Apple watch because of the utility of it. Mm-hmm. Like to me, it it makes sense from a utilitarian standpoint that I can like all right, I can track my calories burnt. Uh, that's the stuff that appeals to me. I mean, I guess you can get a Fitbit and stuff too, but mm-hmm. the fact that I have a MacBook, that I have yeah. uh, an iPhone, that I have like this is how Apple gets you. It's how yeah. Apple gets you. They're like, you already have all of our other mm. items. Why not just add an Apple Watch on top of it? That but, reminds me of the conversation that we're going to get into shortly about what brings value to uh, anything, right? And I think yeah. a part of that is the connectivity that you have between Apple. That no matter what device you go on they're they all communicate with each other and it's tight so yeah because i have an apple watch too and i don't wear that shit unless i'm going to go running if i'm going running or if i'm about to work out or just walk i'll be like okay i want to track my shit did i actually run because if i don't wear this it doesn't count so yeah <laughs> yeah like my homies my homie was over my homie and his lady were over last night we were having some drinks and uh you know i have apple tv um and like I guess is their first time seeing it, but like I'm controlling everything on the TV through my phone, and they're like, "Oh, what? That's crazy." 
And I'm like, yeah, it's Apple TV. So, like, because I have all of these things, I'm like, oh, yeah, Apple Watch makes sense. I did have an Apple Watch that got stolen at the gym one time. God damn oh, it. Oh, damn. They got me. These fools got me. But anyways, um, yeah, I, I'm a pretty minimalist person. But even then, you know, there's stuff, stuff, stuff that I just, the sentimental value of it every now and then I feel like I just got to keep around, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Mikey, Mikey, uh, Miguel, our guy over here, went to go spend some time in nature. Uh, how was that, Migs? How was that for you? How was your time in nature? Uh, it was dope, man. It was, uh, so just to fill everyone in, me and my lady went out to Big Sur, uh, and that was the... Stop for a second before we go on. Yeah. Big Sur. Can we talk about Big Sur for a reason? Us all being of Mexican descent, (laughs) Big Sur being a Spanish word. Big Sur. And like, even then, everybody in California still refers to it as Big Sur, even though it's incorrect pronunciation of the word. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> like to because me it's, it's, it's always funny it's yeah it's always funny when i hear it i'm like be, even though i say it as well i say the same thing but when i say it i'm like god damn yeah fucking gringo yeah. i hate it i don't Am understand I? I don't know if it's a because like we talked about how spanish is still a european tongue right mm-hmm. but like why the fuck is it so easy for americans to say french words like lafayette or you know creme boulet you know all that shit but they can't yeah. say tacos they can't say jose they can't say any of those fucking words that are just like, come on, man. It's easy. But yeah, Big Sur. Yes, we went to Big Sur <laughs> and went to go camp right by the Big Sur River. Uh, I just wasn't trying to get no gang affiliation out here, man. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, no, nah, but we went to Big Sur. So that was my second time out there. Uh, this time was like an actual campsite. Um, first time being for me and my lady. My lady went to do like some. <clears throat> this is before she moved to Cali. She did some like, um, uh, man, some forest work. So you know, like creating trails and stuff like that. And then the last time I went out there was to hike and camp, uh, like a fucking mountain man. Um, now you were by your lonesome that time with your dog, right? Yeah, with my dog. It was dope. What? That that shit was really really cool, and I highly recommend anyone that is is able to go and do that. Um, and yeah, it's definitely a, a game changer. Definitely humbles you and life changing. But this time, but this time was uh, driving in, and it was cool, man. It was like, just I mean, the river is like five, like a five minute walk away. You camp right by the Big Sur River. Um, there really wasn't that many people, and they are limiting uh, the park services are limiting how many people come in. So like, you know, every other campsite was pretty much like. Uh, closed off or not able to be reserved or you know closed for either maintenance or for covid so there was even that many more campsites that were uh closed off so that many less people um but it was cool you know did some hiking went to the beach took a lot of great uh photos and just hung out and yeah it was lovely sounds beautiful sounds peaceful yeah actually like in in that conversation one thing that i guess like, I don't know if we were going to plan on talking this right now, talking about this right now, but I think it naturally leads into like a conversation that we had, uh, Charlie, about like addiction and what we view as like addictive things in our society and in our life. 
I know like when Mikey goes out into nature, a lot of times you just like don't even have access to your phone or you you just like put it away. And Charlie, you've gone up to to Murphy's a couple times during yeah. like this year mm-hmm. and you'll like put your phone away. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I need to do I haven't gone out. I haven't uh, left town in a little while to just breathe and I might need to do so. Yeah. Because like at the end of the day, like, you know, we had a conversation about addiction and uh, I think there are things in society oftentimes that we understand our addictions because of the way that our society reacts to them when it comes to hard drugs, when it comes to alcoholism. Um, and there is a little bit of conversation surrounding like technology and it being uh, addictive, especially, you know, with uh, the, the the film, uh, what was it, The Social Dilemma that mm-hmm. came out recently on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um but the reality is that a lot of times we don't even understand that like technology is as much of a drug and can become as much of an addiction as some of these things that our society views as toxic addiction. But the only the, the problem is, is that we don't have the conversation about how toxic it is to um, our mental health, to our emotional health, to our uh, physical health, um, to all of these things. Uh Mikey, you're pretty. I feel like you're you're pretty you're pretty uh, cognizant of it. You're pretty conscious of your um, use of technology, especially on the social media side. Uh, I don't know if you have any opinion or if you can like talk a little bit about like what makes it easy for you to just put it away. Is it just like your personality, or is it like what is it? I got shit to do. <laughs> shit to learn and you don't learn shit on social media except that you have shitty family and there's people that you probably Ooh. shouldn't be friends with <laughs> nah Ooh. it's uh no actually no some of that is uh, i'll stand by what i said but more so <laughs> i think more so what it is is naturally i am more of a just uh not necessarily an introvert but i do like when i say that i have shit to do I'd rather be learning something, whether that's reading, not necessarily the news, but reading about, um, I mean, you know, music and sound engineering is such a huge part of my life, like reading something that will advance me in that career, right? Because it helps me. And then also I just love to learn about it. Um, But also like, I don't know, especially right now, it's just a lot of, I see a lot of people just wasting their time on there or bickering about something and it's like ah, it's such a huge turnoff for me that i'm like i I don't want to be on here i don't i really don't want to be on here the where i'd rather and that's like more so facebook but like where i'd rather go on to like where i maybe spend more of my time is like instagram and only because again i could find those avenues of things that i like that interest me whether it's like about technology or learning about politics or events or music whatever it may be um and yeah and in general personality wise i don't really just i don't know i i really don't really like to be around people a whole lot which i think makes it that much easier to not be around social media a whole lot either um not to say that you know i don't like to spend time with family and friends but you know, I'm, I'm, I've, I'm much more 
aware that as I've gotten older, I'm much more aware of how much time I like to give people and whether that's in a digital realm or in a physical realm. And I'm finding that I'm giving myself more of that time and space also because just how I grew up and coming to some realizations, but I think that's kind of what helps, helps me. Um, yeah. And also I'd rather have a physical interact, like a physical interaction, right? Like a conversation rather than typing and having a conversation with someone. It's not, not really my forte. Same thing with like text. I'm kind of like, eh, it's just, if you got to tell me something real quick, fine. Otherwise, like, don't make me write out a fucking essay. Like, that's not, that's not me. I tell people, I tell people all the time. I mean, even though, like, I, I feel like I'm a, I'm a pretty solid user of social media. Um, I feel like, uh, I tell people all the time, you know, if you really got something you want to communicate to me about, just call me. Like, just call me. Like, I know everybody in nowadays is like, no, text me, don't call me. But I'm like, bro. Just call me. If you have something to say, if you want a response quickly, there's a, there's a chance. There's, I saw like a funny talking about social media. I saw a meme the other day, like a little thing that was like, uh, I think Sarah showed it to me. It was like it was like a Taurus meme that was like, being friends with a Taurus is like accepting that sometimes they're gonna text you back in like five seconds, and sometimes they're going to text you back in 30 days. <laughs> it's like, and for me, that's hella true. It's like, sometimes, yeah, I'll text you back right away, but then there are other times where I'm just like, I'll forget because I'm not just constantly looking at my texts and I'm not going back through them. Um, and I hope people don't take that personally because sometimes people do. Sometimes people get in their feelings when I don't text them back. I'm like, just call me then. If you want to reach me, just call me or show up at my house. Don't show up at my house. I won't let you in if you show up randomly. But uh, Charlie, Chuck, tell us about your phone. Uh, yeah, no, dude, I, I was definitely addicted to my phone. Um, addicted to knowledge, right, of trying to, like, I would be on my phone to try to uh, learn more shit because my real addiction is hoping that I am of value to people. So how do I increase my value so that other people find me valuable? That's, like, I think the biggest addiction that I have. And that's a insecurity of not accepting myself and not being just good enough as in being who I am. So I constantly, and, and I'm like, well, that is who I am. I'm constantly trying to better myself and this and that, but like, that's the real addiction. Um, and I realized that I was on the phone a lot because, well, my lifestyle changed. Like I used to work in food and beverage. And so a lot of my friends, I would say the majority of my friends, especially if you look at my groomsmen, they're all from food and beverage or elementary school. And so my circle has been that. And from going to that to barbering, where I now just see the same like four or three people and then a whole bunch of new people all the time. And um, the relationships are different, you know. And so a part of me was like, I like to be on social media so I could keep in touch with everybody. But like you were saying, Miguel, like I'd rather have a personal relationship and, and like, you know, call me or whatever. And I still, and I realized that, for a long time, I was very intentional about trying to reach out to people and hit them up, call them and be like, hey, how you doing? This and that. You want to meet up? And after a while, like um, it became more and more difficult. Either they were busy or I was busy or whatever. And I just kind of said, you know what? Stop trying. Like stop trying to reach out so much because you're, you're not spending that time with the people that are there right now 
by trying to hang on to relationships that are fading fading away. So going to Murphy's and just throwing my phone in a drawer or whatever um, has helped me out to kind of like put that away to, to be like, yo, the people that matter are the ones that are reaching out and the ones that are like in front of you at that moment in that time. And a lot of times we don't value those people that are right there because you're like, oh, they're right here already. You know what I mean? I don't have to really spend more time. I'm here. So that's helped me out. And now when I come home, I physically try to throw my phone somewhere in the room. Like, just throw that shit. One, I was telling you, Sam, like, even though it's a fragile piece of technology is made out of glass, I'm not going to be like, oh, my God, I got to be so careful with you. I'm like, nah, fuck you. Like, I do have a little case around it, right? It's like plastic or like a little whatever. But I'm like, man, fuck that. Like, <laughs> you know, like, I don't want to be, I don't want to respect you more than I respect myself. And so yeah. I just throw the phone. Yeah. But my addiction is definitely trying to, trying to be of value to other people. 100%. I think uh, a major part of it is just access, man. It's kind of like that, um, that old saying of like, if a tree falls in the woods and nobody sees or hears it, it did the tree actually fall? Is that the way? Did it, did it make a sound? Yeah. Did it actually make a sound? Um, and I feel that way about, like, on the way that our society tends to think about social media. Or I feel like when it comes to addiction to your phone, it's actually mostly probably social media. I don't feel like the phone is inherently addictive, right? Because we've had cellular phones for a while. Yeah, maybe we spent a, a little time playing Snake um in the early 2000s but it wasn't like you were completely addicted to your phone even though we had the access to a phone you could text you could call but i think social media is what really changed the game because now you have access to so many quote unquote access to so many people that you may not have had access to right so i kind of feel the same way i'm sorry go ahead and so i kind of feel the same way about that old saying is like nowadays in 2020 if a person doesn't exist on social media do they actually exist? I feel like that's how society, sometimes we look at it and like, that shit's scary. Like, but, but I don't know. I don't know. Do you exist if you're not actually on social I mean, media as a human being in this world? That's tough, right? Because like, that's a whole, that's, that's a real, like that could be a real thing to, to debate about because it's a slow transition into the cyber world, right? And businesses need to be on Facebook or Instagram or something like when you were telling me about a photographer that you had worked with or whatnot, you know what I mean? The, for me to like find out who that person was, I didn't Google that person. I fucking went on Instagram. You know what I'm saying? Because if that person, I mean, Instagram and photography are hand in hand, but like, yeah. it could have been a business. It could have been a barber. It could have been whatever. And when I look up other barbers that people have told me about, or, oh, I go to this barbershop in the Midwest or whatever, I look up their social media presence, not to see how many Instagram followers they have or anything else like that, but just to see if they exist. And um, obviously they do. And I think that's like a worry of mine if I ever were to start my own barbershop because I'm not big on social media like that. Like, I don't like it. I don't want to do that. I'd rather have personal connections with people. Um, but at the same time, I'm like, well, the world is heading in that direction. And I'm kind of, I'm not trying to be nostalgic and get away from that, but I am trying to find a balance to remember you're still a human and you still live in the real world. Yes, there's a cyber world that you can be in touch with people and be connected with at a larger scale. But what matters is, is the present because you could have 
thousands of followers on on Instagram as a barber. But more than likely, those followers are probably other barbers, so they ain't gonna sit in your chair anyway. But I'd rather have Joe, Pete, and you know whoever from fucking down the street who actually sit with me. You know, I don't know. I see Instagram now. I, if I could rename yeah. it on my phone, it would be just advertising because that's all it is to me. It's no longer a photo thing. I mean, it's, it is. It's it's not really a, a way to connect with people. Is how do you advertise? But I think in in the sense of like. When it comes to what we look at as addiction, a lot of times to me is like, what do you, are you using it or is it, is it using you? Are you, you know, not saying using it in a, in, in a negative way, right? Sure. We talked about dr- when we were having initially having this conversation about addiction, we were talking a little bit about drinking uh-huh. and like, I'm a person that at times I can drink a lot. Like, and when I say a lot, maybe not be a lot in one sitting. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, there will be times where like I might have a drink every night for a week or two or maybe every other night. And to some people that may they may view that as like alcoholism. But to mm-hmm. me, it's like very controlled. Like I don't have to drink. Mm-hmm. I don't have to drink. But if I'm in company with people, you know, and we're having conversation, sure. Sometimes that's accompanied by a glass of wine, a couple beers, maybe a cocktail or whatever. Um, so when I view social media to some degree as the same way, it's like. Are you using it to enhance your experience in some way of whatever you want to experience, life, business, friendship, whatever, nature, right? Uh, are you using it as a tool to share what you want to share with the world? Are you, or, are you, or are you allowing it to advertise to you all of the things that the world wants to advertise to you and then you're just consuming? Yeah. You know, um, because one thing that I realize about all the algorithm, algorithms when it comes to social media is whatever you use it for, it's going to feed that back to you, right? And so mm-hmm. some people get stuck in the cycle of like everything being hyper-political. And if mm-hmm. you're just liking political posts, it's just going to keep feeding that back to you on your feed mm-hmm. and in your like suggested things. So to me, like if you look at my feed and if you like, if somebody would take my phone, look at my feed or look at like the search thing and see all the things that are recommended for me, it's either uh, financial and stock advice or it's like nutritional or workout advice, or it's just fucking basketball posts. And to me, I, I feel like I'm cool with that. I'm cool because when I open Instagram or when I open like stuff like that, because like yes, I have political thoughts and I have social like uh, thoughts about society. But a lot of times, I don't want to talk about that stuff on social media because I know it's gonna keep on getting fed back to me. And I'd rather just like keep my feed as like when I come on here, I know I might get some joy out of somebody getting dunked on mm-hmm. on Instagram or somebody getting crossed up or I'm going to find something that is beneficial to me in terms of financial or market uh, advice or I'm going to find a nutritional piece of uh, knowledge that I may not have had. Yeah. So I think that to some level, like a lot of people don't understand that these things are controlled and like these algorithms are fed by the way that you interact with them. Mm-hmm. Um and you have to do a good job of of changing that or a good job of controlling that. Or else you can fucking go down a rabbit hole and mm-hmm. you're just liking QAnon shit and then mm-hmm. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, all this shit all this shit can get to you quick. And I think uh I, I agree. Um so two different things. One, I think that I've I've purged my Instagram a few times of like, okay, who am I following? After a while, like I used to follow certain barber accounts and I was like, oh yeah, I want to see what they're doing because it's influential. And then after a while, I got tired of it. Like I'm tired of seeing 
haircuts all the time. I'm trying to study him all the time. And then I'm like, I'm deleting all the barbers that I follow. And then I'm like, okay, well, maybe some that actually are reciprocating energy with me or something else like that. I'll keep that. But uh, I think it is important to go and check yourself on like, what are you feeding your brain, right? What are you feeding your time? And then change it up and, and fucking juke the algorithm a little bit. Like, no, I don't want to see that shit anymore. Change it to something completely different. Uh, and that's, that's helped out to me. So I think we have to we have to take more control. A lot of us humans, we like to be out of control. We, we like someone to, to tell us what to think, what to believe. And we feel like, okay, I'm going to trust you. And then I'm going to blame you for the shit that I put myself through. You know what I'm saying? Even though like you're just letting them run all over you. And then uh, because you think that's cool. Even name brands, right? Like I, I try to only buy local business shit. And when I do, uh, except for Target. Um, sometimes I'll do it even if I don't like the fucking logo on there. Or I don't like some shit because I'm trying to support local business. And then I get mad at myself. Like, you never wear this shit. But it's like, you bought it, fool. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, change it up if you want to. But the other point is, I like what Mikey does. Of being able to, uh, being able to go out in the wilderness, in the wild, uh, losing connectivity with all of the outside sources right like we talked about going to the ocean because i love to see how insignificant my problems are and how insignificant i am it just kind of mellows me out balances me a little bit so i think if you're able to not just put your phone away because then you still have tv advertising to you and shit or anything else like really go out like a vacation isn't what vacations are anymore like a vacation isn't going to fucking italy or wherever, and just taking pictures so you could post it up on the fucking gram later and everybody could see what the fuck you're doing. Like, and I would say, if that's what you're into, go ahead and do it. Now, fuck that. Don't do that shit. Like, (laughs) fucking go to the woods, isolate yourself, and balance your brain out. Like, just unplug and, uh, and try to fucking see if you could withstand being in the wild, man. Like, that's fucking tight. Like, just center yourself a little bit. I will say that that shit definitely... Well, if you're not ready for that shit, that shit will definitely make you miss home. That shit will definitely make you reassess your life, especially even if you're not going with any drugs, man. If you're just up there in the mountains and you're camping by yourself and it makes you like you. Who said anything about drugs in this conversation? (laughs) (laughs) I am. I am. I will stand by what I said, damn it. No, man, I went. I'm serious, man. I went sober as hell and I was just like, damn, I ain't got nothing else to do except hang out with my dog and and reassess my whole life, man. Like, what am I doing with my life? And it does that to you, though, especially if you go by yourself. Like, traveling in general, right, by yourself will make you see things in a different light. Uh, sure. Will make you feel things or just, yeah, just experience things in a different way versus, like, playing off of each other and being with someone else, traveling with someone else, playing off of their ideas of what they want to do, right, and going their route or whatever you want to do. Like, it's solely you. Like, whatever decisions you make, you're going to go experience those decisions. Um, but, yeah, man. 100%. Definitely. If you die, you I die. I tell people that all the time. Yeah. Well, I tell <laughs> people that all the time. Like, I don't necessarily go out into nature by myself. I've never been, like, because, I don't know, I'm such a city boy raised in, like, a metro area. And, like, it's been a major part of my life. Like, I love nature. I love the ocean, especially. Um, I feel like when I look out into the ocean, I feel my ancestors. It's, like, a very holistic feeling for me. But I tell people all the time, like, you should travel alone. Take mm-hmm. a trip alone. Whether it's out into the wilderness or to a city, whatever it is that you feel most comfortable in, 
go somewhere alone. Like I've had the opportunity to do it. You know, I tell my wife all the time, like, I want you to do it. Go. Like, I feel like, you know, the, the double standard of like, I get scared as a man, as a husband, you know, because the world is different out there for women as fucked up as that is. I wish it wasn't. Um, but even then I still encourage her like, yeah, you should take a, take a trip alone. Go see something you want to see and experience it for a few days just on your own. Let it make you feel whatever you're going to feel, you know, because at the end of the day, like you said, Mikey, it's like when you're alone you're traveling alone or like, that's why I admire, admire people who choose to move somewhere completely new by themselves is like, now you're on your own you got to figure it out and you got to spend some time alone and every decision you make is on your on your on you you know so i feel like that is a thing that everybody should do uh at least once in your lifetime but if you can at least once a year or once every other year as much as you can and learn about yourself learn about the things that you really enjoy i've never been able to like travel uh <clears throat> to foreign lands on my own or anything, or even outside of the States. Uh, I lived in, in my 20s, I moved to LA on my own and I didn't have anybody. That was fucking cool. Uh, and, and just started a whole new like LA family during that time. And I I, I uh, was definitely tempted to move back to the Bay Area for like, you know, familiarity and like a safety net. But that time in LA did help me out. I guess that's the closest I've ever done something alone. Uh, but I would like to travel alone if i can maybe once i don't know maybe once my daughter is a little bit older uh but damn i just restarted so fuck <laughs> with my daughter being 15 it would have been cool my other daughter eight months nah, no fuck that no excuses play like a champion i gotta go and take a trip solo someday fuck that you know <laughs> no uh you know i think it's important for everybody when it comes to anything in life any excuse that you have for anything in life to make it your reason. Charlie, you're like, oh, I, like, I'll wait until my daughter's a little bit older. No. You travel alone now so that you're able to bring back knowledge to for her at you know at different points of her life as she's as she's getting older. Everything you do, you make excuses for your reasons. That's why I tell people all that time in terms of working out and nutrition. It's like, oh well, you know it's expensive to eat healthier or I don't have the time to work out or, you know, I have kids. I'm like, think about it. Anytime you invest in, in fitness and nutrition right now, in terms of time, you extend your life by that much. So you have that time to spend with your kids. You know what I'm saying? You may take an hour away from them right now, but you're adding an extra day on your life that you get to spend with your child. You know? So Mm -hmm. I think with anything in life, it's like, if you can think of an excuse for it, then you can also make that the reason that you um, <clears throat> decide to do it instead of use it as an excuse as to why you shouldn't. Um, you know, as we're talking about uh, addictions and social media, you know, I think a major a major part of the polarization of the world has to do with social media and its use as advertisement in terms of political ideas. Right. And I think that identity politics has become this huge thing that is the flames uh, are constantly stoked by social media. If that's what you decide to consume, you're constantly going to get things in your feed and suggested to you that will only reaffirm your beliefs, your current beliefs, instead of things that may challenge the way you think or challenge the way you feel. 
I think the way we do that in terms of challenging our thought processes and our feelings about things on the political spectrum or the social spectrum is conversation with people that have different perspectives or that have different identities. You know, I've talked, we've talked about it in like, I'm super proud to be Samoan. I'm super proud to be Mexican. I'm very proud to come from California. Those are things that inform my perspective, that inform my beliefs. But at the end of the day, those, I am those things, but those things are not me. And so in terms of like my own political beliefs, I can be, they can be informed by those experiences that I have as a Mexican man, a Samoan man, a man from the Bay Area, California. But I also have to have some level of free thought where I can challenge myself as like, all right, you believe this because of some of your experience and some of the perspectives that you have. But is that perspective the correct perspective to think about this with? Or do you have to challenge yourself a little bit to be like, all right, what what is different about somebody else's that experience, somebody else's experience that makes them view this differently? Um, we have the current, uh, I guess, political, um, like political scenario in play right now with uh, the potential swearing in of uh, Supreme Court Justice uh, Amy Barrett, um, and there's just a lot of there's a lot of different thoughts. Um, regarding that, but we've also had over the past few weeks some pretty big names in the urban community, quote-unquote urban community, but also in black and brown communities like, you know, Ice Cube um, coming out and talking about Donald Trump. Uh, there are a lot of things at play right now where I think people are starting to lean against some of like their identities um, in politics and starting to think a little bit outside the box. Uh, Charlie, what do you think? Um, I, I completely, uh, I completely agree. And I think we've talked about this before when it comes to like identifying with your culture, right? Like as if you have to fall in line with wherever you're born because of all that shit. And the same thing comes with politics. Uh, growing up for me, Malcolm being a huge influence in my life, uh, he was always very critical of the Democratic Party anyway, uh, and not like an advocate for the Republican Party, but I think more critical of the fact that people of color are so much uh, willing and easier to just be like Democrat because whatever the fuck, right? Because they, they put us first or, or they we put them first and they put you last, right? And um, when it comes to, well, let's talk about uh, the, the potential Supreme Court justice nominee, or she is a nominee for now. Um, with Amy Coney Barrett, I feel like, as I'm listening to her, like, you know, I'm gonna, I, I don't 100% disagree with people all the time. There's, there's like, okay, I could agree with that, or I disagree with whatever the fuck. Um, but with her, what I was realizing, too, is that when you just take the topics... A lot of people are just like, okay, well, we should be happy. We have a, a woman in the in the another woman in the Supreme Court justice um, era, you know, the appellate courts and all that. But at the end of it, if her if her thought process and her way of thinking is still white male, it doesn't matter if she's 
a female at that point, right? And I don't know, maybe I get backlash for that. But like, I think we have to have diversity, not just in our gender and not just in our uh, color, you know, of our skin. Uh, experiences are important for sure. And, and it's not to discredit somebody's experience, her feeling and growing up the way that she grew up with her beliefs or whatever. Um, I'm not trying to not validate that and say that she's not a, a female because she's thinking like a white male or whatever. No, but I'm just saying like we need to have diversity in thought and we can't just go off of off of our appearance as in that's going to give us a different type of of thought process just because I'm Mexican and I'm an immigrant and I must think like all Mexican immigrants and I must be the representation for everybody. Like, no, man, I, I think differently. Like I definitely don't identify like 100% of the other or like 90% of the other Latins that come into this um, country or whatever the fuck, you know, I... So I think it's important to really hear this person. I think we've stopped listening to people and we just go off of what they look like and what boxes they check on the census, you know. Um, as for Kanye, 50, and uh, like Ice Cube, I knew when Kanye came out, I, I knew that, okay, from the very beginning, listening to his Twitter and listening to his, um, I think I talked about this before, listening to his concert uh rants or whatever i thought okay you have the right to believe what you want to believe but it's it's very uh you have a, a platform that if it's not fully thought out and how impressionable you are that you can lead those people in the middle into one way or another and and that's not your responsibility you know what i mean to to be a leader for people like you are who you are so i've always said cool i don't agree with you but all right go ahead have your things and I'm never, I haven't been against like, yo, you got to be a Democrat because you're black or you got to be a Democrat because you're brown. Like, nah, man, there's certain things that I don't agree with with Democrats that I don't buy into their bullshit. Um, so I think it's kind of cool, actually, to an extent. I think it is cool to have, like, I don't agree with the presidential candidate, right? But it's still very much, a still very much important for you to know what's happening in your local government. I think that's by far the most important thing. And we'll get back to that in a second, but... I think that uh, having uh, people in, in, in certain platforms say, yo, I'm not just going to buy into what I'm told to buy into, I think that's cool. And I think that gives you individuality and I think that gives you um, a bit of humanity to be able to say, I look like what you expect me to be, but I'm not what you expect me to be. And uh, that gives you a little bit more say right it, it takes away from yeah. the black vote or the white vote or the white woman vote like fuck that people think differently regardless of what they look like so i think it's cool that we're getting to that i think you touched on a key word um that to me is the most important thing in all of this is humanity like at the end of the day we're all humans and we all have our own experiences right like I was talking about perspective, as a human, all of our perspectives are informed by different experiences, different uh, biological makings. If you believe in certain things, and uh, I think informed also by generational things that we inherit, whether that be generational ideas or generational trauma. Um, I think it's also informed by uh, different... Um, chemical makeups right 
there's so many different things at work to create us as individual humans that it's impossible for all of us to like have the same exact thought. And to me, the biggest thing that is missing is just continuous conversation, continuous conversation with other people from different perspectives, whether you agree with them or not. You know, that is the, to me, the biggest problem that we have in our current society. And it touches on a lot of things that we talk about on this podcast about social media and addiction to social media, about what you get fed to uh, on social media, about like straying away from, you know, to some degree spending alone time and really digging into like, what do you believe? Why do you believe that? Do you actually believe that? Or is that something you've been told your whole life? So it's something you've adopted, you know, challenging yourself like that. I think right now, especially in major cities, everything is so convenient. We have so much at the the tip of our like fingers that we have access to that like we don't challenge ourselves enough to think about, do I really need this? Is this really what I believe? You know, um, what do all of these things mean and how do I find out what my true self is? You know, and I think a big part of that is just spend some time alone have proper conversations with people and don't be afraid of challenging yourself or other people challenging your beliefs. Be open to it. You know, don't be open to bigotry and stuff like that, but like examine where all of these things come from, the root cause of ideas, the root cause of perspective, instead of being like, oh, you think that way? You're a fucking idiot and I think you're evil and I never want to talk to you again. Or on the opposite side, being like, oh, you think the exact same as me? You must be a good person and the best person in the world and not have any problems. Mm-hmm. You know, I think everyone, not everyone, I mean, we all want the easy way out sometimes, but I think society is currently feeding us, American society currently feeds us with so many ease of access things that are the easy way out. And we all just decide to take it sometimes and not challenge it. And that's the biggest issue. I think uh, it's very synonymous with, like junk food, right? Like it's the the fast food industry has changed to the social media industry, right? It's like it's easy, it's accessible, it's garbage, uh, but it'll keep you fed somewhat, right? And I think we're gonna find out later if we don't already know that it's the same fucking thing, you know? It's it's the same thing except for instead of our stomachs, uh, it's it's for our brain, but it's still like real quick, no quality shit. But you can technically take that blueprint and make it quality, right? Like you still could have quality food that is fast and all that other stuff, just like you could have quality information that's at your fingertips, but it's depending about your choices on what you want to take. Um, real quick, in case we don't get a chance to talk about politics later on before the election, one thing I was thinking is for anybody that's feeling overwhelmed of whatever way this election ends up going, whether it's Biden and Harris, Trump or Pence, um, I want to remind specifically barbers, but everybody else there that might feel overwhelmed, Remember in this pandemic when fucking um, when the president said that we could open up, but the government was like, nah, and then nah happened and we didn't open up. And then remember when the governor said that, hey, we could open up as a state for barbershops or whatever, but then the county was like, nah, and then nah happened. I want you guys to remember that even whatever happens in the federal level or sometimes even on the state level, the local government is what what's going to say yes or no. So if you want to know where the power is at, that's where the fucking power is at. When the whole world stopped and the country said yes, and then the state said yes, but the county or the city said no, the county and the city still dominated a little bit more. So keep that in mind when you're voting. 
fuck just the presidential shit. Go and study the measures, the propositions, the DAs, the governors, the mayors, all that. That's where that shit matters the most. Anyway, that's it. That's my two cents. I agree. Get to know your whole ballot, not just the front page um, that is the presidency. Get to understand um, even just a little bit of research goes a long way, you know. Going back to social media, look up who's running for mayor or city council on social media. Look at what they care about, what their message is. And then if you want to dig deeper, dig deeper. But, you know, I understand people are afraid of it sometimes or don't understand it. Just a little bit goes a long way. Just put one foot in front of the other and then you'll understand it a little bit more continuously. And that little bit will be a lot of bit. And those people aren't that big yet, right? Like you could DM them. (laughs) <laughs> like, you could yeah, literally sure, hit him up on Twitter. Like, look at the mayor of Stockton, right? I love Michael Tubbs. Like, I think he's freaking dope. So, like, the dude is responsive on Twitter all the time. He's there, bro. So, hit them up on social media, man, the way that you want to hit up Trump or, or whoever and be like, blah, 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 you ain't doing it. You could actually do that with the people that are in your city. You know what I mean? <laughs> so 100%. That's going to wrap it up for uh, this episode of Just F and Go Podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, it's good to be back. I know Sam feels the same way. It's great. And Mikey, thank you for uh, blessing us with your voice and presence today. I always love your insight and um, and your thoughts, man. I feel like people need to hear you a little bit more, so I'm just going to add a little bit of pressure for you to come on the show one more time. Actually be, and you're never going to be in front of the camera, I guess, but like we, we like to hear this voice of yours, bro. But anyway, um, I do want to say thank you, uh, and thank you for for watching, for clicking, for subscribing, for liking, for sharing, and all that. And if you want to find us more on the podcast, the different platforms that we're on is, uh, damn, I'm going to ask this up for you, Mikey. Uh, I'm going to try to do it all. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, Google Podcast, and, um, of course, Instagram. That's where we're at. We're not on Twitter yet. Maybe we will be, but probably not because we're trying to get off the social, at least me, I'm trying to get off the social media. But, uh, yeah, uh, hit us up on there, man. We can't wait to talk to you guys again and to keep these things going. And thank you for being patient with us as we move to our new location. Uh, We will see y'all next week. Thank you.